Father, we thank you that we are your children. Made in your image. Lord, I pray your words be life. That we engage the heavens. Made Lord like Jesus, more like Jesus. Lord, let these words bring life. Let them be truth. With your signs and wonders in Jesus' name. Amen. I was um, having a flick through the internet this week, as you do, you know, read this blog, read that blog. And I read something by um, a prophetic guy called Graham Cook. And it meant something to me because it was, um, Stop Driving Your Old Car was the title of what he wrote. And since I'd just crashed mine, I was stopping driving it. Since I'm pretty sure that they'll write it off this week, so that's pretty well written off, you know, not driving there. But because I saw that, I actually was rushing through, and I thought I'll take some time to read it. And as I read it, it um, spoke to me on a few things, and I just wanted to share really what he was sharing in the blog, Um, because it was really quite pertinent and really quite good. So he talks about, imagine you're driving an old clunker. So if you go out in the car park, you'll see what's left of my car sitting out there waiting for the guys to come and pick it up tomorrow. And, you know, the, it's back end's pushed in, the front end's pushed in, it's just looking like a right old mess. Um, if you were to try to get into it, you'd find that the driver's door only partially opens to get into it. Um, and sitting in the driver's seat's rather uncomfortable because everything's sort of out of shape and so on. You know, headlights don't work. Not sure the taillights work. So imagine you're sitting out there and you're sitting in there and that's your car. Someone walks over to you and you wind down the window. I'm presuming you can still do that. And they hand over the keys and they say, that car in front of you, there's a brand new car, your dream car, is right in front of you. And they say to you, look, here's the keys. Your dream car there, it runs perfectly, it's immaculate, it's got all the latest features, it's... It's done up nicely. It's in your favourite colour. But there's one catch. If I give you the keys, you have to drive it. As catches go, that's pretty good, right? Yeah? I mean, you can't drive your old car and drive the new car at the same time. Right? So they say, how about you give me the keys to your old beaten up car and I'll give you these keys to this new car. Now, are you going to sit there and carefully weigh up the pros and cons? Hmm. Here in my old car, which, you know, I mean, to drive it, it was on my way here that I had the accident. To drive it here, I had to pull the fenders off the wheels so that they would actually turn. You know, um, you know, are you going to sit there and go, oh, no, no, you know, I'd rather, you know, it, what's the advantage of driving my old car compared to driving this brand new one? And, you know, you, you're not going to weigh it up, are you? You're going to grab those keys before they change their mind. It makes sense. And you know what? That's the same promise that God gives us. He wants us to trade in 
our old life for the new one. But you know what I find most people try and do? Is they try and drive both cars at once. God says, I want to give you all of this. I want to give you all of heaven. I want to give you all of earth. He says, it's all mine. And as a joint heir with Christ, therefore it's yours. And it's not like when you're a joint heir with Christ, doesn't mean he gets 50 and you get 50. Joint heir means you both get 100%. Right? And, but we struggle and we try and hold on to our old stuff and our old way of understanding things and the old way things are done when he's offering us a whole new way of going forward. But we try and get in our old mindset. We try and drive the two cars at once. We try and keep our old car while having our new car. Sometimes we feel insecure about things of the Spirit. We see how others might step in to the heavenlies. We see how others might engage with God. And we think, I've never done that, or I can't do that, or it's different for me. So, and we start to worry and get stressed and, and backwards and forwards, and we start to fracture. But if God's giving you a new car, He's giving you your new car, not someone else's new car. He's giving you your experience in God. He's giving you what you need. You know, I, I hang around with some people who are prophetic, and, you know, prophetic people, they, they engage heaven a lot easier, I find. And they have these experiences and these richness, and they go to all these places, and, and my wife is one of these people, you know, and they walk into these rooms, and they this and that, and I go, my experience of stepping into heaven is nothing like that whatsoever. And it's very easy for me to go, I've got it wrong. You know, my, mine's totally different. I don't, I don't have the dreams like she has at night. You know, I mean, she will often, I don't know how it works there, now we're here and everything changes, but for Dale, Tuesday morning was on her time of, of sitting and just being with God and, and, you know, and she'd step into the heaven and say, this happened and, you know, I was walking with Abraham and, and this was going on and I'm going, okay, when I engage heaven, it's nothing like that. You know, she'll spend an hour or two hours, you know. I'm like five, ten minutes. But I'm a different person. And the car that I want to drive is different to the car that she wants to drive. What Dale needs is different to what I need. But you know what? It's also different to what you need. And I bet the car that you want to drive is not the car I want to drive. I mean, Shah often talks about wanting, you know, an I-20. don't know why. Huh? <laughs> or a silly car, yeah. You know, she wants to drive this car called an I-20. Now, an I-20 is, I look at that and go, why would you want to drive an I-20? Because it's not my kind of car. It's Shara's kind of car. And it's the same with God. What he has to do, what he wants to do in your life by engaging the heavenlies is going to be different to what he does with other people because your life journey is different. 
what you need out of heaven is different. You know, I mean, if I go up to a friend of mine who's a multimillionaire, and if I was to walk up to him and say, I want to bless you with $100,000, I'm sure he'd gladly receive it. But it's not going to make a big difference in his life. But if I take someone who's a student who's struggling to, to buy food and said, hey, here's $100,000, it's going to have a whole different need value, isn't it? But if I go to my millionaire friend who is struggling with sickness and I pray healing and God heals him, that means a whole lot more than praying health and well-being on someone who's perfectly healthy because what they need is different out of heaven. But see, we get into this mindset of it has to be a certain way. It has to be like this because that's what happened with someone else. But you can't do someone else's journey. You have to do your journey. You have to do it in your car. You can be a passenger and go along for the ride and, you know, we have a worship team and they take us along for our ride. You know, and we preach and we have preachers come in and they take us along for a ride in their car. And that's cool. But you can't live on somebody else's car. You need to get to the point where you drive your own car, where you have your own experience in God. (gasps) Thank you, beautiful. All right? And the problem is that when we look at others, we see our own insecurities. And we try and hold on to our old self. You know, it's like, I think I'll pick up my wife here. I don't know where she's gone. But, um, you know, you know, you get those sweepstakes in the mail. You know, the old Reader's Digest sweepstake. Or the Magna Mail sweepstake. You know that one? Now, now Dale, Dale likes the Magna Mail one, you know. You've already won something. Now, it could be $20,000 or it could be the 10-cent pendant. And so Dale will look through the Magnamal catalog because there's got to be something in there that she needs or someone she knows needs. <laughs> you know, the latest one, and I'm really going to get in trouble for this, but the latest one was this brush that you brush into the tracks of your windows to get the dirt out of the tracks because everybody needs one of those, don't they? Okay, we've had the brush for how many weeks now? It's still in the packet. Because <laughs> she was convinced that she's won something. And you know what she did? Guess what she won? The 10 sand pendant. <laughs> and that's what we're like. We think, look, if something is too good to be true, then it's too good to be true. Yeah, I do give it to her. She actually, we bought an ironing board cover, which was actually fantastic before that. And, you know, because we need a new ironing board cover. And this was a brilliant ironing board cover. It's one of the best ironing board covers I've ever seen. So there you go. You get some good stuff out of it. But we look at things and we say, if they're too good to be true, they probably are. All right? You know, if someone offers you something that's just too good to be true, what does wisdom say? It probably is. All right? But you know what? In heaven, that's not true. In God, that's not true. If it's not glorious, if it's not wonderful, if it's not brilliant, if it's not amazing or astonishing, if it's not outrageous, if it doesn't take you to a higher level, then it's not God. 
because we've got a God who thinks different to how we think. We've got a God who, who goes, you know, he looks at us and he, and he says, you know, he says, your thoughts are not our thoughts. And we're sort of taking that as that God thinks differently. But, but let me illustrate this. And I was going to preach this next Sunday morning, and I still might, but, and use this illustration. But, but this really did it for me this week. I was listening to Bill Winston, and he gave this illustration. And it hit me so much that I played this CD in the car. I keep rewinding it back about 10 minutes and just playing this bit over and over again because it really illustrates how differently God thinks. But, you know, this guy, we'll call him Mr. Jones. He's, he was... Um, he was in the United Arab Emirates and he was doing some business there and so on with, with a couple of the royal family in that area and, and doing some business. And at the end of the business, they said to him, what, what can we give you as a gift? It's customary we give you a gift. And he says, look, I don't want a gift, you know. I just came to do my business and I want to go back home. And, and they said, no, 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 we, we need to give you a gift. It's part of our custom. And, you know, they argued back and forth. And eventually he said, look, look, I'll tell you what, just, just give me a golf club, all right? If you want to give me a gift, just give me a golf club. They said, yep, okay, no worries. So he jumps on his plane, he flies home. Two weeks later, there's a knock on the door. And uh, he opens the door and he says, you Mr. Jones? He says, yes, I'm Mr. Jones. He said, would you like to follow me? I'm going to take you to your golf club. Now, he was thinking just a golf club to go and play golf with. But the prince he was talking to was thinking an 18-hole clubhouse, lakes, bunkers, golf course. You know, one's thinking a nine-nine, the other one's thinking real estate. And that's how God is. We're thinking, you know, if God says, let me give you something, we're thinking, oh, what, what, what can I believe God for? And God says, I've got the universe. See, his thinking scale is so different to ours. So when he says, your thoughts are not my thoughts, what he's saying is, your thoughts are so low. <coughs> A glass of water, please. You know, your, your thoughts need to rise up. They need to go bigger. They need to go beyond where you are. But we have this finite, this is my life. Do you know that in the rings of Saturn, there's diamonds about this big, falling out of the sky. Space junk. Space junk. Thank you very much. It's just space junk. Diamonds like this. Do you know asteroids? NASA's trying to work out how they can capture asteroids because they've worked out that in asteroids, there are trillions and trillions of dollars worth of minerals. You know what asteroids are? The stuff that's left over from making planets. God's rubbish. Think about it. And they're trying to work out how to capture it because there's more wealth in one bit of space junk than is in whole countries. That's how God thinks that even his waste material is more valuable than probably how we think. And he looks at you and says, why are you holding on to your old stuff? Let, let me read to you, because you've got to go to the Bible sometime, don't we? Let me read to you what Jesus said. And I never actually, I understood this, but I never really understood this the week until I looked into it. And after reading Graham's blog and looking into this verse, and I got an understanding. But he says, 
No one puts a piece of a new garment on an old one, otherwise the new makes a tear, and also the piece that was taken out of the new doesn't match the old. So what he's saying is if you've got a bit of a garment, like a bit of leather, because they wore leather and so on back there, if you go and sew a leather patch over leather, all right, it's going to tear away because a new leather hasn't shrunk, hasn't changed shape, hasn't stretched like the old leather, and it comes apart. All right? Then he goes on to say, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskin that's spilled. You see, when they had wineskins to carry wine in, they'd be like a bladder. And it was like a leather-type bladder. The problem is that when you put new wine in, wine expands. It gets bigger. New wine is a picture of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes in, <clears throat> he wants to get bigger. And our tradition says, oh, no, no, he's got to stay the same. He wants to get bigger in your life. So you have to be renewed. You can't hold on to your old way of doing things, your old way of living, even your old way of thinking. You have to let go and trade it in to be a new wineskin. Because when you're a new wineskin, you can handle what God wants to do. You have to change how you think. Too many of us are thinking about carrying around a golf club when he's offering you a golf course. We have this finite thinking and he's going, no, I want to expand you. And if he puts any more in, it's going to rip you. And then he goes on to say, but new wine must be put into a new wineskin and both are preserved. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. I was reading the word there for old. All right? He says no one drinking. You see, now when you think, people say old wine, they say oh, old wine's good. In the, in the Greek, that's a word called paleo. You know, good, vintage, antique, quality. But Jesus didn't use that word. He used the word paleos, which means off, rotten, disgusting. And there's a great illustration of this, which Rhea reminded me of a couple of weeks ago. But we're, I was at a church, and we were doing some, some consulting. And we, were, we were talking about how they might improve things in the place. And so um, we're talking about, because they wanted to have more people coming into church, and, and you know, we're talking, it wasn't about Holy, Holy Spirit stuff, though, that was all sort of happening, but they were saying, we want to just make it a place where people feel welcome. And I said, well, let's look at your coffee, because you all know I'm a bit of a coffee snob. All right. And so this church was committed to its international roast. They had a very strong commitment to it. And so I thought, look, maybe I can help you with this, and... Um, so what we did was we um, bought in a coffee machine and we got, we got this leadership team and we stack them, sat them down around a table and we bought in a coffee machine and we made two sets of coffee. We made one set of coffee with the international roast for every person and then we made another set of coffee. Now in the international roast we just got plain old mugs <coughs> out of the kitchen, just plain old mugs that they were used to and made this international roast, nothing special. But then we went... And we bought in these beautiful glasses, these big long stem glasses. And we went through and we made these beautiful coffees, made sure they were presented absolutely gloriously. And we placed one of each in front of every one of these people. And we said, try those, tell us which one you think. And every, there was about 10 in the room, every single one of them, when they tried that coffee, said, we prefer this one, which was the International Roast. Every single one of them. And I remember sitting there thinking, well, that didn't work. 
So I was trying to say the difference of, you know, because we're talking about after church and engaging with people and why people may not want to hang around and have a coffee was because they were drinking a zestful roast. But they were, the problem was that they were so used to the taste of what is, there is no other word for it, disgusting coffee. They were so used to that taste that when they drank the good coffee, they couldn't handle it. It's only ever happened once in my life. <laughs> but they couldn't handle it because they were so conditioned to the off. And there is no other word for instant roast except saying it's off coffee. All right. I can't stomach the stuff. But they were so used to it, they developed a taste so much for what was old that they could not embrace the new. And that's what we're often like with God. We are so used to our old way. We're so used to our old thinking. We're so used to our life being like this that we can't develop a thought for what God wants to do because it's outside of our framework. It's outside of our understanding. It's outside of our taste. It's outside of our whole life. You know, God's thinking trillions and trillions. We're thinking, ooh, just where I am. I'm, I'm okay with my old car. I'm okay with my old life. And we hold on to our old life. Even though he says, trade in your old life. Give it over and let me transform you. Let me, you don't have to be sitting around on earth even. Let me walk you through the heavens. But how often do we go through our day without walking through the heavens? Because we're still rushing around in our old life because we're used to rushing around in our old life and holding on to our old life to what is comfortable. You know, I can go out and I can get into my old car and go, oh, it's comfortable. It's actually not because of the condition it's in, but, you know, I can get in there, and we, but we hold on to that old stuff. Let go of the old. Stop drinking the old coffee. Stop sucking on the old off wine. God has new stuff. Step out of the comfort zone into the new. You know, too many people go back to the old because they get afraid. Don't be afraid. Embrace the new. Step into what God has for you because he has no boundaries. Stop thinking about carrying around a golf stick and go and stand on your golf course. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. You have so much for us. That you have no limits, God. You're limitless. I pray, take us, Lord, out of our old bad tastes, our old self, into your newness, into all that you have for us. that we may be free, free to soar the heavenlies with you. Lord, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.